Our scripture is from the Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning at the first verse. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he asked them, do you think that was because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or these 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. And they told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Well, word comes to Jesus about some folk who've been killed, and there are only really two ways to respond to the situation. One was with righteous indignation and political fervor. How dare Pilate, another Roman atrocity, attacking innocent people in church? This was a perfect opportunity for a tirade against the hated oppressor. It's the kind of thing we say when there's been a robbery or an assault. What is the world coming to? You just can't be safe these days with all these mass shooter attacks. Well, another was to blame the victims. They must have done something terrible that God would allow this to happen to them. Of course, we never think that way, except when the inexplicable happens. You know, as a pastor, some of the hardest, worst pain I hear from people who run into some problems is, What have I done to deserve this? Is God out to get me? Well, good old Jesus. He never responds the way you expect. Instead, he begins by setting the record straight. Do you really think the people who were killed when the tower fell or who were killed in the high school shooting rampage are more wicked than anybody else? Do you really think people was out to get the people who were killed on that last Boeing failure? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Such things are not brought on by the sin of the victims. They're caused by other people's sin. And that is one of the things that's so terrible about sin is it hurts innocent people. Nobody deserves Pilate's brutality. And nobody deserves those random accidents that inevitably happen. So we can all breathe a sigh of relief. It's okay. We can get comfortable. God's not out to get us. Jesus says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Wait a minute, that doesn't feel so good, Jesus. You've just said that none of us deserve those tragedies, and now you say we all deserve them. You make me feel like a sword is hanging over my head. Which, of course, it is. Sin is a reality of human life. And some of us are more flagrant about it than others. Some of us are more honest about it than others. 
and some of us struggle against it a lot more effectively. No matter, it is still a reality for each one of us, and you'd better recognize that, says Jesus. To make his point, to help us understand, Jesus tells a story. There was a fig tree planted in a vineyard. The owner came seeking fruit on it and found none. She said, lo, these three years I've looked for fruit from this tree, and nothing's happened. Cut it down. Why should it take up space and use up the ground? Something is growing in your life that is not productive. It takes energy that could be better used on something else. It keeps good things from growing. Do you know where those places are for you? Where are you spending your time and energy and getting nothing in return? Where are the places that should be bearing fruit and aren't? And what is it that looms so large in your life that it crowds out the other growth? Sometimes we know where those places are. They make us feel as if we're beating our head against a stone wall, stubbornly trying to break something open. Or perhaps it feels like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. No matter how hard we try, it just won't fit. But, you know, other times we can't see the barren fig tree or it's become such a big part of the landscape that we really can't imagine what it would be like to be without it. If we're fortunate, there are people who will name it for us. If, if we will listen. A friend, a child, a spouse, sometimes even a preacher. Or there's evidence in our life and rather than recognize the barrenness in one place, we run around seeking satisfaction from somewhere else. Can't get what I need here, so I'll go look over there. And so we go chasing around in some frantic search rather than dealing with a basic issue. Recognizing the barren, fruitless places is the first step in repentance. It's only the first, because the second is doing something about it. By which I do not mean, you know, sort of beating your breast in vain remorse or punishing yourself. The most fruitful step is the one that Jesus names. You have to dig around in the dirt. There just doesn't seem to be any other way that's nearly as effective. If we want our lives to bear fruit, we have to go poking around in the dark corners. We have to look in the places that are not very nice. And frankly, covering it up only adds to the stink. Apply it to the root of the matter, and you stand a chance of making a dramatic change. And if that doesn't work, then it's time to cut down the tree. Root it out of your life. Because there are trees that won't bear fruit no matter what we do. If we want our life to grow and flourish... There eventually comes a time when we have to get rid of whatever it is that keeps us from doing that. AA is very clear that if you want to get into recovery, you have to make some very serious changes in how you live your life. Jesus is clear about that because time does run out. That's true in our personal lives. It's also true in our life before God. Eventually, time runs out. And that's why Jesus is so insistent on repentance, 
on redressing the fruitlessness before it's too late. The contrast is between the randomness of Pilate's vengeance or the falling tower and the specificity of God's wrath. God knows the barren fig trees. And God has come into the vineyard to find out who bears fruit and who doesn't. And running throughout Jesus' ministry, there's a kind of urgency about that. I've come and you have to make a decision. Will you bear fruit for me? Don't wait too long. Time will run out. That word is real. And there have been times when the church has proclaimed it to the exclusion of grace. And there are also times when we do not hear it enough. It's no favor to anyone to pretend that what we do here in this life does not matter. It's no favor to pretend that there's never going to be an accounting. It's no favor to pretend that no fruit is expected of us. Quite the opposite is true. And it's because so much is expected of us that God came in the person of Jesus Christ to help us with that. It's because that so much is expected of us that Jesus died to make it possible. And we need to proclaim both sides of that. We need to speak of both the judgment and the grace. Is God out to get you? Yes, of course. With love, with mercy, with forgiveness. Amen.